Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Now, all those kids that just went downstairs, one of my favorite questions to ask the kids in our church is simply this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've asked most of those kids that particular question. What do you want to be uh, or do when you grow up? And the answer always tells you a lot about those, those children. Uh, it tells me what they're interested in right now, or what they wish they had right now, or it tells me how big of an imagination that they might have. And I've said this before, Christina, my wife, she, uh, she used to tell people when she grew up, she wanted to be a butterfly. Like, a butterfly, right? But listen, I mean, if a little girl told me that right now, today, I would know that she had a big imagination, that she's uh, creative, and she likes to think outside of the box, and all of that is true of Christina. When I was young, and people asked me this question, right, I, I would get excited, and I would say, I wanted to be a professional football player and a preacher, and they would say, hey, doesn't that kind of conflict with each other with, with Sunday obligations? And, and I said, don't worry. I will play the games on Sunday afternoon. I'll preach in the morning. And they said, well, what about practice all week and writing your sermons? I said, don't worry. I'll steal my dad's sermons. He was a preacher. It's pretty much what I do now. So what does that tell you, though, about me growing up? I loved football. Right? I, I love my dad because he was a preacher, and I, and I saw solutions to every problem. There was no obstacle uh, in my life. There was just creative ways to get around or over those obstacles. Listen, I would say that all of those things are still true of myself today. But somewhere, listen, that's just the way it is, somewhere along the way, maybe in college when, when the NFL did not come knocking on my door... I chose to focus on preaching. I realized the, the gifts that I had were better served uh, in ministry than they are on a, a football field. Now, let me take you back to your childhood dreams. Right, think about it, all right? What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you want to be? Right? Now, here's the thing. I bet no matter what you wanted to be, no matter what popped in your mind, you always hoped that you would, in some way, make something out of yourself. Right? You'd make a difference, that you would, you would leave a positive impact. I'm guessing that no one in here had a dream, as they used to say, of living in a van down by the river <laughs> in a little coat, right? Right? No one had that dream. You probably envisioned yourself graduating college or, or getting that dream job, starting a family, uh, enjoying a successful career, whatever it was, and making your parents proud. We all believed that we would leave our marks on this world. And I think it's the reason that so many kids dream of being famous influencers on social media today. All right? They want, in some way, to, their lives to mean something. They, they want to change the world. But somewhere along the way, and I'm not quite sure where it is, where it happens, 
Maybe it's when we hit our 30s, or maybe it's when we, we get our first job and we realize that Zoom meetings are just awful. Okay? Or maybe it's when we get that first paycheck and we realize that there's this thing called FICA, and we're like, whoa, that's the worst. I don't know when it is. But somewhere along the way, we stop believing that we're going to leave our mark on the world. And we just start kind of going through the motions of life. Don't we? We we do this. We settle. We we settle. And there's there's a lot in that statement. It can mean a lot of different things to, to all of us here today. We forget about changing the game. We forget about uh, about making a difference, and we just start playing by the rules. And or worse, we 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 start sitting on the sidelines, settled into our, our comfy bench. We don't have what it takes to be that star MVP in the game, and so we think, what's the point? Now, Foundry Church, I think we do this with our faith too, don't we? Don't we? At the beginning of our forging our life on God, at the beginning of our faith journey, we feel like we can do anything. We can take the world on and we can fix it. Starvation, not on my watch, especially if you're part of the Foundry. There's always food. (laughs) Injustice, hey, we think I'm going to be a Batman for Jesus. And sin of any kind, better watch out because I got the armor of God and Satan, just better watch out. But then, and again, I don't know when it happens, somewhere, somewhere along the way, along the line, we stop believing that God can use us. And thoughts. Thoughts start to to creep into our mind. Like, there's no way that God could ever use a messed up guy like me. We start to move that from our mind down into our heart. Or we think, I'm no better than the next guy. What business do I have taking on this world? Forget Batman for Jesus. I'm more like the police officers in Gotham. right? Nobody really needs them because there's someone better. We start to think these things. Right? When we, we say those things and we think these things, it, we're, what we're doing is we're asking ourselves about our qualifications, aren't we? Right? When these thoughts start to settle in our hearts, move from our mind to our hearts, and they, they start to settle here, and we may not even verbalize them, but we feel these questions wrecking havoc on us. Questions like, am I good enough to be used by God? Or questions like, do I know enough of do I know enough about God to have an impact through me? Like, do I, do I have all the right things in my tool chest? We, we start thinking questions like, have I made enough good decisions in my life to be able to help anyone else? Is there enough positives in this column versus negatives in this column? Or we start thinking, why would anyone want to follow my lead? Or, or we think, what if I try to help people and I lead them down the wrong road? <laughs> That's a hard one, right? See, Foundry Church, the problem with looking at qualifications is that we rarely feel qualified. That's the, that's the problem with looking at qualifications. We rarely feel qualified. We almost always feel too uh, broken, too inadequate, not, not wise enough, not holy enough to help someone else. And then another issue we have with God using us to leave a mark on this world, to be his hands and to be his feet, is that if we're honest, 
we, we kind of just have our, enough of our own problems and our own challenges on our own, let alone helping anybody out. Because if, if we're honest, we feel like other people, they need to help us. We don't need to help them. Our schedules are busy with work, kids, sports, families, uh, friendship, church, exercise, doctor visits, car repairs, etc., etc., right? It just goes on and on and on. If we had a, a break from all of those things, what we would want to focus on is our own self-improvement, our own self-growth. Right? We would want some space for our own spiritual or physical mental growth after all. Don't we need it more than other people? Because we're not qualified. <laughs> Just a big circle. It's a big, big rat race. But that does not matter because right, we really don't have the time. We're stuck in that grind. We're stuck in that whirlwind. And even if we did magically have the time, well, often it does not even cross our minds that God, the God of the universe, the creator God, the God that we're forging our lives on, could use us. It's not that we're being selfish. It's just that we don't wake up and, and think this. I wonder how God is going to use me today. That's not our first inclination, our first thought. We do not look for opportunities to be used by him, not because we don't care, not because uh, we, we don't um, want to be used by him, but because we're just trying to survive our own lives. Right, we're taking it one day at a time, and there's nothing left in our tank to help others. Right, to, to go out to the square, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to make our, our difference in this world. So let's, let's just zoom out here for a second. Right? Right, in this series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks, we're in week three now, we're talking about questions Jesus asked that stretch our faith. If we're bold enough, if we're courageous enough, if we have enough tenacity from his spirit in us, right, and we're willing to let it stretch our faith. In the highly dramatic scene that we're going to look at today, Jesus asks a very interesting question. And I know, I know and believe that this question will be helpful to all of us when it comes to considering the idea of being used by God for the good of others. When it comes to the idea that we're going to let God use us as we forge a lifelong reliance on him. All right, so, so let's do the work and let's peel this onion. We're going to go back to the Gospel of John. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament. You can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you and you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to use, to give away. If you're watching online... And you would like a Bible, just put a comment there, and we will make sure you get one this week. If you don't uh, want to use that physical Bible, you can also download the Foundry Burke app and use the Bible uh, that's in the app. You just hit the Bible tab, and it's right there, pulled up there for you. Or just use the YouVersion app on your phone. But anyways, we're not going to put the scripture on the screen. We want you to turn to it however you would like. John is where we're going to be. As you're turning there, John was a disciple who traveled and he worked alongside Jesus. Now, in fact, when Jesus died on the cross, he asked John to take care of his mommy. Right? Jesus said, hey, John, I'm going to die. You need to take care of my mom. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't trust the care of my mom to very many of my friends. 
I mean, maybe like just a small handful, right? So, so the fact that Jesus trusted John to take care of his mommy means that John and Jesus knew each other pretty well. That's just where we are, right? They, they knew each other well, and John was there. He was a, a pretty good guy in Jesus' mind. Right? They spent a lot of time together, and, and Jesus learned and trusted John. So we can read these words knowing that they were written by an eyewitness who was trusted by Jesus. Right? When, when he was on earth, uh, Jesus, he traveled from town to town with his disciples, his, his followers, crowds almost always gathered around him. And maybe they had seen or heard about Jesus' miracles. Maybe they had some physical problem or situation that they wanted to be healed from or delivered from. Maybe they were just curious and they wanted to see more for themselves. People wanted to be near Jesus, often because they wanted to get something for themselves. Now, this particular day was no different. Let's check it out. John chapter 6 is where we're going to begin today. Verses 1, starting in verse 1. It says, After Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill, and he sat down with his disciples around him. Verse 4, it was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration. All right, just keep your finger right there. Jesus went to a less populated side of the sea. He had recently learned that his cousin had been killed. John the Baptist had been killed. And it is possible that he wanted just to kind of get away from the situation. He wanted some time to be alone and to rest and grieve with his disciples. But the people found out where he was and they came after him anyways. And then here comes the interesting question right here at the beginning of the story of verse 5 of chapter 6. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Keep your finger there at verse 5. Right, Philip had seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle, deliver people after deliver people, right? He was doing all these things in the presence of Philip. All right, Philip had seen Jesus perform these things. Jesus told a blind person to open their eyes, and all of a sudden their sight was restored, and they didn't just walk down the street, they danced down the street, right? Jesus told people who had never walked to stand up and to get moving, and they stood up, and they too danced down the street like they were like channeling all their inner uh, greatest dance moves from junior high dances or something. <laughs> And now Jesus was asking a disciple who witnessed all these things what they were going to do. And let's just think about that for a second. I'm sure Philip was like, hey, me? Right, me? Right, what, what do you mean? What, what am I going to do? Right, that would like be me going up to, I don't know, Bill Gates and saying, hey, my computer isn't working. And him saying, yikes, right? that stinks for you. You better do something about that. Right? That's not exactly the answer I would be hoping for if I said my computer wasn't working to Bill Gates. Right? That is how I picture Philip in this particular moment. 
Right? But, but here's the thing, Founder Church. The point wasn't for Philip to come up with an actual solution. The point was for Philip's faith to be stretched, just like ours. Right, right, check out what John wrote next, verse, verse 6 of chapter 6. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. He was testing Philip. Jesus was testing Philip, for he already knew. what he, he had the plan. He knew what he was going to do. Right Out of Jesus' love for Philip, he wanted Philip to grow through this experience. And this is how Philip responded. Verse 7, you can read it with me. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. <laughs> Philip, he answered Jesus' question, right? He answered Jesus with a physical and with the practical concerns, like, like an accountant would answer this question. He calculated that it would take months of their, their work and their paychecks to make a dent in the bellies of this hungry crowd. Right? Oh, man. Right, Foundry Church? Right? So often we respond to God in the physical just like Philip did, don't we? Right? We, we tell him all the reasons why he can't use us. We tell him why we're unqualified. Uh, we don't have time. We have too many problems, too many issues, too many things on the, the, the schedule, on the agenda. I got to do this first, Jesus. Right? Take, take a look at this, Foundry Church. God doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. God doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. He is God. He's capable of doing things that we cannot see with our physical eyes. All we see is how we're unqualified, how we have too many things to do, how there's so many problems with ourselves and with everything around us. But he sees past all of that. He operates in the supernatural. Instead of looking at the situation through the eyes of an accountant, Jesus wanted Philip to look at the situation through the eyes of faith. And that's what we're seeing here. Philip should have responded by saying, you, Jesus, are the great miracle worker. You are God. You tell me what I should do. Listen, so often we ask, what should I do? How, how can I do this when we should be asking this? God, what do you want me to do? Or, I'm sorry, God, what do you want to do in and through this situation? That's what we should be asking. Right, God, well, what do you want to do in and through the situation? How can I be a part of it where, where we submit ourselves to the fact that he is the great I am and we're, we're not? Right? Listen, let's, let's pick it back up in the book here. Verses 8 through 14 is where we're going to look at next here. Verse 8 simply says, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, There's a young boy here with five uh, barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Keep your finger there. Now, real quick, I'm named after uh, Andrew, this disciple, in part because we always know where the food is. <laughs> For real, though, it's interesting, right, because it says barley bread. And barley bread was known as the food of the poor. It was, it was low-class bread, right? This wasn't, what's the bread store that I like? Great, it wasn't Great Harvest, all right? The, the bakery, that's a good place. I digress. 
<laughs> Barley bread was the, known as the food of the poor, the bread of the poor. It was low-cost bread. Still, Jesus now had something to work with. And by earthly standards, it wasn't much, right? Let's look, look, look again at verse 10 through 14 here. Right? I tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and they filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Verse 14 says, When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet that we have been expecting. All right, consider, real quick, Foundry. How this miracle unfolded. Right? Consider how this unfolded. The boy didn't have much, but what did he do with it? He, he brought it to Jesus. Right? Andrew listed out their resources, which were nothing but the poor boy's food, and he brought that boy to Jesus. Right? Jesus made something incredible out of very little. Right, Philip witnessed a miracle, and therefore it stretched his faith. Right, this is what you and I can do, Foundry Church. Isn't it? Right, Foundry Church, we can offer what we have and do what we can and bring people to Jesus. Can't we? Right, instead of listing all of the, the natural and all the, the practical reasons why God cannot use us, we need to follow the example of this young boy. Because the whole point of the story, if you're going to get anything out of today, is this. Faith is about bringing what you have to the one who can use it. That's what it's about. Right? Us forging our life on God. Us living a life that is called and is abundant. A life of purpose. Not the easiest of life, but a life that is forged on God. Our true life. Uh, faith. It's about bringing what you have to the one who can use it. That's what it's about, right? You may not feel like you're qualified. You probably won't, right? You may not feel like you have the resources. You may feel limited in time and, and talent and, and connections. Just bring what you can to the miracle worker. That's what this story is telling us. Just bring what you can to the miracle worker, the one who can turn the natural into the supernatural. That's what it's all about. That's, that's what happens when we forge our life on God. But how do we actually do it, though? That's, that's the question, isn't it? How do we actually do it? As I like to say, how do we take these peanuts and make peanut butter, or better yet, peanut butter pie... How do we take this miraculous story and how do we put it into practice? How can this ancient, miraculous story have an impact on us today? Well, a few simple thoughts. Right? Ask yourself these questions. Right? What could I bring to the table? What could I take to the hillside? Right? What could I bring to the table and what could I take to the hillside? For example... 
Maybe you don't have much free time during the week, but you have some open time on Sunday afternoon. You could take that time and invest it into someone younger, sharing your faith with them, helping them forge a lifelong reliance on God. Maybe you feel totally unqualified to lead or to volunteer, but, but you could help with, with maintenance work or gardening around the church. Maybe you're already at church on Sunday mornings. Why not volunteer in the children's ministry once a month? I don't know if you've noticed, but we, I know there's a lot of families out right now with school starting next week, but we kind of have a lot of pregnant ladies here, and <laughs> there's a lot of babies, and there's, there's a lot of kids that are going downstairs, and half of them aren't even here today. Maybe you like bagels and you want first dibs, all right? That's what Kirsten does. You can help out with our hospitality teams or, or the worship team. Whatever you see needing done, all you got to say is just put me in, coach. That's the type of church we are. Just jump in. Maybe you already uh, got your kids at the elementary school and you go there and you have lunch with them during, uh, once a month or something. Maybe you could invite some kids whose parents aren't that involved to come sit with you. While you have lunch with your kids. Right? Maybe you could uh, mentor and, and help in an after-school program of some sort. I'm sure there's a lot of teachers that would appreciate that. Right? Maybe you don't want to uh, lead or teach anyone, but you're a great cook. Cook something. Right? Courtney could use some help. She makes all this stuff out there. Right? She saw a need. She jumped in. And you could have a college-age student over your house once a month for dinner. It's simple, right? There are opportunities everywhere, not just here in these four walls. They're everywhere. You have to look for them, which brings us to the next point. You have to open your eyes to opportunities. Right? Andrew noticed a boy who brought his food. That was simple. Right? And the boy noticed that the crowd needed food. He said, this is what I got. Right? Maybe now is a good time for you to pray and to ask God to show you opportunities where you can bring what you have to the hillside. And so as I invite the, the band to come back up, I want you to start to kind of soak in that, to think about that. What can you bring? Right? What do you have? Right? <laughs> you and I may be surprised at the opportunities that God will present to us. Right, for example, maybe many of you know Kirsten, right? Heck of you are here. Be, man, heck of you, a lot of you are here because of her, right? Right? Because she welcomed you with her hospitality team, and that's exactly what she did. She, she was here for a short time. She saw a need, and she said, hey, put me in, coach. And now she's on our staff, right? I'm not saying that everyone's going to be on staff. Right? Or, or Christine, I uh, she's dropping her, her son John off at college in Oklahoma, but every Wednesday and Thursday, she leads our food pantry ministry. She works with our partners, Target and Giant, all right, the Capital Area Food Bank, to set up a farmer's market in our parking lot every Thursday for more than 70 families each week. All I have to do is say, hey, we have a food pantry. She does it because she saw a need. In one of the wealthiest counties in America, she still saw the need of food insecurity and said, I know people here and here. She put them together and serves them every week. Or, or Cameron, who I was joking about at the beginning of the sermon, who's out this week. Hopefully you're watching, Cameron, but service is hard without you. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron doesn't work here. He works down in Woodbridge. 
but he was here more times this week or more times this summer than I was sometimes during the week. I'm like, I'm going to lunch. He's still working. <laughs> He's serving. He's doing what he can, bringing what he can to the foot of the cross. Right? We could go on and on and on. You got, you got Tyler and you got Jim and Ryan who pray for you guys weekly, who are learning what it means to shepherd a flock, a local congregation. You got Bo, who's out there right now on the Hospitality and Connections team this morning, who prays for me every Saturday night. It's about coming together to be the hands and to be the feet of Jesus to make a difference. Now, we may not feel qualified. I don't. Right? But together, right, we can go to Jesus and we can say these things. We can say, hey, I can bring this to the table, and, and they can bring this to the table, and we can go out to this, this hillside, and we can make a difference. We can feed 5,000-plus people with just some fish and some loaves of bread. We can be in the supernatural because we're not going to settle in the natural. We're going to make a difference for God and his kingdom. We're going to be used by him through the power of his spirit that is at work within us. Every single person in this room, every single person watching online has been given something, a gift. And all Jesus is asking is what are you going to do about it? No matter our age, young or old, no matter how long we've been trying to figure out who this Jesus is, maybe we're not even there yet. Maybe we don't call him Lord yet. He can still make a difference. He can still partner with you if you just let him. See where he takes you. Or are you going to keep it to yourself, this gift, or are you going to bring it? Not settle for the natural, but to live in the supernatural with our king. Listen, faith is about bringing what you have to the one who can use it. Remember that, it's that simple. Let's stand and let's worship together this morning. Let's thank him for using us and commit ourselves and dedicate ourselves to bringing what we have for his honor and for his glory.